Don't go anywhere. <clears throat> We're live for it. Peace. We're live today. I um, want to talk about the um, <clears throat> origins of the word America. It may not be what you think. Maybe you know a little more than the average person. Whatever you think you know, make sure you hit like and share button. Share this video because we're going to expose a lot. So we want this to get out there to people. Um, before we get started, though, this video represents the views of presenters, which is me. It's based off of my personal life uh, experience and research. And um, I'm just saying, putting that out there because this isn't like I'm, I'm not coming at you to represent any organizations or anything. It's coming with research, understanding, and I believe I can stand on this. So we're going to show and prove where this term America really comes from. And we're gonna go in pretty deep on this topic so i'm gonna ask everybody here whether you just came in or whether you're watching this later on on the replay whether you're live whatever um however you got here hit the like and the share button help to get this out there so good evening you're listening to the true and living light bringer moors in america as always i'm your brother lloyd douglas and also known as sharif ali here Moors in America, we are uncovering and bringing glorious light to all issues pertinent to the Moorish American paradigm. So we're going to shine some light 
on some lies and expose some fallacy and falsehood hopefully help to expand everyone's mind everyone's perspective and thinking this is going to be one of those things that helps to expand your perspective this may change everything for you <clears throat> but that's what we do here on Moors in America so hopefully everyone's having a great evening and hopefully well if you wouldn't mind please share this broadcast all over the internet let's blow it up let's blow it up so we're going to expand further on the topic you don't want to miss it relax grab your popcorn grab a friend in other words share this video and um here we go we're going to play some indigenous moorish american music check it out New era time. It's so divine. I put my life on the line. Allow Mammy song built for the grind. New era time. The truth to find a seven chakra in line. I feel we finally coming out of a bind. New era time. A mastermind take you up on the climb. You know the signs, see the symbols and signs. New era time. It's all sublime. Put it all in my rhymes. And if you're seeking, then I know you're gonna find. New era time. It's so divine. I put my life on the line. Allow Mammy song built for the grind. New era the truth to find a seven chakra in line. I feel we finally coming out of a bind. New era time. My words become things, all hell the king Now I got him walking on water Covered in the blood of the Christ A rubber glove and a knife Prophet Muhammad came to restore the order Spectators sit back and watch Slave ships pull off the dock Demigods round up the flock Time running short, got a race against the hands of the clock 2020-something, pull it off the lot Posted on any block, you say a henny shot For a libation for the fallen It's been a lot of death, theft, right over left Heart of a line, line right under my chest That's a godlike, God prolific, godlike God Money longer than sloth and as the flock type Meditation, slap boxing with state Cracking the Okay, Islam Moors, um, peace to everybody that's here. Um, whether you identify as a Moor or not, peace to you, peace to everybody. Um, I just asked everybody here hit the like and share button. We're gonna go in, as I said earlier. Um, it's gonna be a real interesting video, um, discussion, um, very interesting lecture. You will love this. I just ask that everybody shares this. We're gonna go in, we're gonna lay it all out there. So, as we do this, um, Everybody, if you haven't done so already, hit the like and share button. Also, those artists who are playing, make sure you go back and watch this and go subscribe to each and every one of their YouTube channels. Okay? And check out their link. Um, dynamic music, Voice American, positive, uplifting, incredible. All right? And that's the type of stuff that actually helps to raise your frequencies up. And that's what we're all doing here, right? 
and um, pick out some words from our sponsors and we get it started. Highest quality handmade fezes. Crafted fez with the finest wool, complete with tassel and leather sweatband. Wear the national headdress of Moorish Americans with pride and respect. 3XL size fez is a comfortable fit for brothers with dreadlocks. Shipping worldwide. Go to MoorishFez.com to order. CareMore is a non-profit organization focused on providing goods and services to families and individuals in our underfunded communities in Central Ohio. We have created an online presence to reach members of our Central Ohio communities, as well as local events and meetings to give away supplies and donations throughout the city all year long. Visit our website to learn more and to send a donation. Yeah. Hey, five on the right, two on the left, man. You know what time it is. We just moors in America, soar through the shores and endure criminal acts of war on our character. Seven years after the fourth score, no reward. Shout out to the most courageous, they was jumping over barriers. Where does that compare to you? We come from a place where you scared to visit our area. We come from a place where it's scary for good Samaritans. Heavy luggage we carrying, babies having babies. It's crazy being American. Praise the one and only Allah. There's no comparison. La ilaha. Allah, body and very gin, laughing at you clowns like ha ha, dodging a Nephilim, conquer lower self with a high, follow your regimen, way before they came we were gods and now we specimen, tried to take the light from our eyes, thank God for Edison, then they put the wool on our eyes, it's so embarrassing, now we travel frequently, we should invest in Sheraton, all of us got gold on our bodies whenever we stepping in, screaming Ramadan, Mubarak, training the flesh again, wishing we could move as a unit, just like the Mexicans, dodging all the foods with estrogen, synthetic medicines, all sin is devilish. Sometimes the decisions that you make come for a better gift. Sometimes when you sin is to relate to all your brethren. Heavenly gates all in our face, we the champions. We live in the sky, we see the angels on the chariots. Waiting on the $20 bill, face a Harriet. I bet you I'ma carry it. I'm in love with music to the point I wanna marry it. But my love for people is greater, so I write messages. Largest spending power, but we still sit at a deficit Living amongst prejudice, even at our residence Moors in America, flourishing, excellent Let's buy up some neighborhoods and grow my own president Yeah And I come to you today With all intentions of spreading Love Truth Peace, freedom, and justice.
Okay, peace, everybody. Um, if you're just joining, make sure you go <clears throat> go back and watch the video at the beginning so you can check out those Moorish artists. Make sure you go and subscribe to them on YouTube. Um, today we're gonna talk about the um hidden meaning or the um hidden origin of the term America. <clears throat> and I want to cover some. I've been sitting on this for a while. I actually wanted to talk about this for a minute. Um, I saw a quote from Manly P. Hall. It reminded me of this and made me want to go ahead and talk about this now. And um, <clears throat> just bring up some uncommon knowledge. Um, to start it off, though, I just want to read a few uh, measures from this old, old uh, document. <clears throat> it's called The Path, Volume 3. It was published in 1893 okay and um this was put out by the theosophical society and there's a measure in here where they're uh discussing i believe they're discussing some uh like a senate a senate ma meeting right and they're discussing the terminology or they're discussing the origin of the word america and I think what they said in there will be very interesting to you. So let's go ahead and just jump in. Um, <clears throat> so I'll put the name of this document in the description. If you want to go and find it yourself, you probably can find the um, PDF online for free and you can download it. Right. But so the Theosophical Society, uh, much like the Rosicrucians and some other. Um, I guess you could say spiritual fraternal type organization societies um, where they go into uncommon knowledge and understanding. Right. <clears throat> so there's a measure in here in this book, where, as I said earlier, they're speaking about the term America. And um, just to give you some context as to how this is being discussed. As I was saying earlier, I believe this was in a meeting of the Senate. Okay, and let's, this is it right here. Okay, so um, we're going to read this. It says, according to profane historians, the origin of all ancient races of America is involved in darkness. While even agreeably with esoteric information, India cannot be their cradle. Their roots were in Atlantis, where they were the descendants of survivors of the great cataclysms. We must therefore look to the languages of the New World for a solution of the problem, since the derivation of America from the name of its supposed first discoverer, Amerigo Vespucci, has no historical ground upon which to stand. Right, the name Amerigo only has similarity in sound. It has been frequently pointed out that if the New World were to be named after him, the surname Vespucci would have been used. <clears throat> in Isis Unveiled by Helena Blavatsky, it said America, Amerique, or Amerique is the name in Nicaragua for the highland or mountain range that lies between Julgapa and Libertad in the province of Chantales and which reaches on the one side of the country of the Caracas, Car Caracas Indi Indians and on the other side in the country of the Ramas Indians, right? And I'm, I'm going to skip down a little bit. Um, 
so it's got various um examples just speaking about that name being used in the so-called new world by various indigenous peoples right how america came to receive its name from him is not clear but it is certain from humboldt's investigations that amerigo himself had nothing to do with it okay um this is doubtless an extract from the origin from the article origin of the name america by jules marco who also explained the names of places in the india dialects of central america often terminate in k or ik which seems to mean great elevated prominent and is always applied to mountain ranges <clears throat> these unconquered indians as said by marco have remained the same as they were when colombo first visited them in 1502 this theory of the derivation of the word has been a much debated subject for example at the eighth international congress of americanists okay this is what i was talking about all right held in paris in 1890 it was vigorously discussed as said in the american nationalist the first question was that presented in 1875 and discussed at nearly every congress since whether the name america given to the western continent was not taken from the chain of mountains of a similar name which formed cordilleras between lake nicaragua and the mosquito coast rather than from the discoverer america's vespucius vespucius right so um they're going into this uh, we're gonna go a little bit deeper into this topic but i just want to start it off just so that you can see that <clears throat> this has been getting talked about for a while right because i mean if you're like me that's what they told you in school uh, amerigo vespucci like never heard of him didn't really do anything spectacular to have north south central america named after him but i digress so strange to say the presiding officer decided in favor of the latter but even though the theory rejected at this congress has not much historical support we may confidently look to the incas for a better one america was spelled variously in the first maps and documents as amaraca <coughs> hold up going back to this so in the early maps it was spelled as amaraca americo america Maraca, Moraca, these are the examples given, as well as America. These were the spellings in the first maps and documents referring to America. Uh, from Humboldt, we learned that the very first settlement of Spaniards on the mainland was at America, America Pana. The native word Pana was, according to Sir Walter Raleigh, the equivalent of country, America Pana. He spoke of the beautiful valley of Americo Pana, Ojeda, Ojeda, with Amerigo Vespucci as a passenger, explored this section, writing an account of it. Herrera says that finally he arrived at a port where they saw a village on the shore called Maraca Ibo by the natives. Right? Um, it says they gazed in a state of stupefaction at the Spaniards and upon their landing treated them as if they were angels. Uh, but I'm just going to go on a little bit more. Raleigh frequently mentioned the name as though it were derived from the natives, right? So America Pana. All right. This is an example. Um, I, <coughs> you 
you know, some other examples. I was informed of one of the caciques, one of the chiefs of the Valley of Ameriocapana, Ameriocapana, which had buried with him a little before our arrival a chair of gold, most curiously wrought. Some of the names of the Inca Rio, the Inca cities were Pult Amaraca, Amarca, and Armarca, Cox Armarca, Casa Armarca, Kundin Armarca, and Kant Armarca, while some of the provinces, so all of these different um, cities, they had that name Amaraca tied to it. Now, the, the Inca, right, in Peru, they also had the god Amaru, right? So they have Amaraca um, tied to the name of each city as if each city is in Amaraca. Amaraca was the name that they used to refer to <clears throat> the entire land or the nation, right? It's giving more examples, Coxamarca and Amarca, talking about provinces. <laughs> and then it says, as another proof that these names came from the Inca, may be quoted the works of Don Luis Fernandez Pedrajita, canon of the Metropolitan Church of Bogota, New Granada. He published this in 1688, that Cundin Amaraca, as the heathens call it, was the most important kingdom of Peru, after Peru and Mexico. He said that the heathens called their kingdom Cundin Amaraca. And it was the most important kingdom after Peru and Mexico. All right. That was written by the canon of the Metropolitan Church. Put that out in 1688. Uh, they said that when, when somebody died, like from a snake bite, they did the sign of the cross. They put that on the tomb. This cross was, according to Rosny, the ancient Incario sign for the word Amaru. They were using the cross in the New World. And which, with the addition of the word Ka, which meant land, represents the sacred national name, America. So they had Amaru, Amaraka, was the name for the entire land. <clears throat> it goes further than that. Uh, much more evidence is to be found in the discovery of the origin of the name America. By those de Saint Brice, who is entitled to great credit for showing the falsity of attributing the derivation of the word from the supposed discoverer of the new world, Amerigo Vespucci. Among other things, he said, the chief kingdom in the Western Hemisphere when Columbus landed was Amaraca. This was the chief kingdom, Amaraca or America, whose Inca kings claimed descent from the Aymara race of Aymaraca. <coughs> The earliest known of the existing population from whom these monarchs who resembled them got some of their arts and religious ceremonies. So they're saying they descend from the people who gave them their arts and religious ceremonies. We're going to talk about this a little deeper because there's an ongoing theme here. These people who bring the arts, who bring the religions, who bring agriculture, who bring civilization. Right? And so the Inca kings say that they descended from the Aymara, the Aymaraca, okay? And just to um, pause right there, that's a big deal because the Inca nobility, the Inca kings say that they descend from the Aymaraca, right? 
the Aymara people. And this is why they named the entire land Maraca, okay, or Amarica. They descend from those people. So this this um is important because we do have a um description of the Inca um the Inca uh headdress of nobility being a Yantu. It was called they called it a Yantu, but listen to the description of the Yantu. Now this um description I'm reading is from Queen Mu and the Egyptian Sphinx by Augustus Laplungeon. And in describing the royal headdress of the Inca nobility, he says Garcilaso de la Vega, Cieza de Leon, Acosta, and other writers on Peruvian customs and manners inform us that the fringe and tassel of the Yantu, royal headdress of the Incas, were made of fine crimson wool. So they wore this fine crimson wool headdress that had a tassel on it. All right, that's a fez. <clears throat> So I speak on that just to make that point that they they held those traditions from those who brought civilization and their nobility say that they descend from those people. And that's where they hold that name. Amarica, Amaraca <coughs> to be the name of the entire land. Um, so going back to this, right, they they resemble them. They descend from these these people, the kings, the nobility descend from the Aymara race. They say that's who they got their arts and religious ceremonies. The natural history of American names, St. <coughs> Araca or, or America, the capital, as the first city of their empire. The Amaru or Holy Cross of these people was conspicuous there, as in all the chief cities of ancient America. It was the central object of adoration in the immense sacred ruins at Pelinka, from which the continent was probably first called Land of the Holy Cross. Casa Amaraca, now remember when we scroll back up there, this was the name of one of the provinces, right? They added that word Amaraca to the cities, right? So the city could be Cox Amaraca, Casa Amaraca, Kundin Amaraca, right? So they added that name to it. So it says Casa Amaraca was the royal necropolis, and near it is built is uh, Pult Armaca, where the sulfur springs are still called the king's baths. Yan Amaraca was their Hercules. From Yan, behold, the present indicative indicative of the verb Yanal, to be. Behold, America was an appropriate name for the American Hercules. There was Vin Armaca in the Gulf, where Manco Capac, the prince of American legislators and first Inca king, received his divine vocation. <clears throat> then there were the cities of Ang Armaka, Chimpi Armaka, <clears throat> Uri Armaka, Kat Armaka, Kal Armaka, all these different cities, right? Then they got Pa Tina Mit Armaka, or America, the capital, the only one which appears in their ancient documents and sacred history as the foundation of their kingdom. Okay? So this illustrious national name of america was sacred to the um inca people right they kept this going and they also claimed descent from those who brought this understanding this civilization to them okay 
um, because we're trained to think that everything's coming from the east. And not saying that there wasn't a migration from the east at one point in time. Just saying that it may have been way, way longer ago than um, than <clears throat> commonly understood, right? So this term, America, Amaka, whatever, Amaru, Amaruka, however you want to pronounce it, right? This is where America comes from, as presently used. Has nothing to do with this Amerigo Vespucci. We'll talk a little bit more about this. And um, keep in mind, remember, that connection to the creators of civilization, okay? Because that's really important. This is a... um. Um, a perspective that is not commonly known and it's something that I think is covered up. Unfortunately, <clears throat> when things like this are covered up, they hurt everyone. They harm everyone. It doesn't just harm one person, right? Because when you're lying, right? When you're, you know, hiding things, right? You're hurting a whole bunch of people. Okay, so um, let's go back into this. I want to... um. Well, I'll share another uh, episode with you, too. Uh, now, this is um, coming from the book. One World America, the Moors and Tartarians. And this was by uh, Jamie Lee, who actually um, we had an interview here on this channel. Um, <coughs> he's a, a great author and he has several books out there. Um, but this is really interesting, right? So. Um, in here, he has a quote from Manly P. Hall. Um, I've heard this quote before. You may or may not have heard it before, but um, he said, the name America is derived from the god Quetzalcoatl in Mexico. Gucumats in Quiche, and in Peru, he was called Amaru. So this was a feathered serpent deity. From the latter name comes our word America, Amaruca. Is literally translated land of the plumed serpent. <clears throat> land of the feathered serpent. The priest of this god of peace from their chief center in the Cordilleras once ruled both Americas. Right? He rules North and South America. <coughs> and this feathered serpent is actually found all over the world. As you can see from the um, some of the pictures on the screen, you see this. This is the Serpent Mound. It's located in Southeast Ohio. Then you have Bali and you have the Maya version, right? The Maya version, um, which would be Kokukan. Kokukan is um, this, just another term for Quetzalcoatl. <clears throat> and then you have the same thing in Bali. You have this feathered serpent, right? This deity all over the world. Um, and in the Inca, they refer to this same feathered serpent as Amaru. And this is where the word actually comes from. Okay. And um, this word is actually <clears throat> used all over the world in ancient cultures, right? And even in some present cultures, like, okay, the Arabic word, Amir, may not sound like Amru, Amaru necessarily, but if you take the vowels out, right? Right. Like um, it says here, uh, Amir means prince or governor of a province, the ruler in Arabic. Amir is the root of Amir because the vowels are interchangeable, right? And in the Semitic languages like Hebrew and Arabic, right, it's the same thing. You take the vowels out, you can move them around, it's, and that's the root word for America. 
<clears throat> also, in gratitude to uh to Mr. Lee for putting this together to drive this point, Amaru means the Westerner. All right, so it's referring to the Westerner, the serpent, the dragon. <clears throat> All of the names of the Native American tribes can be traced back to this same serpent, dragon deity, right? You had the worship of the certain and serpent, and this was found all over the world, right? And it's tied into the Kundalini chakra alignment, Kundalini uh, rising up, right? But um, this was the chief symbol in the Americas. You do have that symbol on the flag where you had the, um, the eagle, the phoenix killing the serpent, right? Mexico is a Mex, old Mex, old Mexican, right? This is the old empire. This is where um, one of the oldest or the oldest maybe Mesoamerican culture <laughs> was centered in Mexico and part of Belize, right? But you have this term, though, Amaru, also being used to refer to the Westerner, right? So, um, <clears throat> and it was used in several languages in this manner, right? So this is being applied to people. I want to go back to that, too. Um, but first, just talk a little bit more about Quetzalcoatl. We're going we're gonna to really open up and, and talk about Quetzalcoatl a little bit more. Uh, before I do that, though, I just want to go to that word, more, right? Amaru, meaning Western, Westerner, right? So the etymology of the word more. And this is still, this is in the book, One World America, the Tartarians and the Moors by Jamie Lee. Um, looking at the etymology of the word more, right? It can be traced to the Phoenician term Mahurin. And Mahurin means Westerners, right? So you have that, you know, Semitic etimon, Mahurin, referring to people of the West. And then remember the Maghreb, Maghreb, that means the West. It means the place where the sun sets. The greater Maghreb is the Maghreb Alaska. And that means the furthest West or the extreme West. Right. So according to Lawrence Waddle's early Phoenician titles, such as Muru, Mer or Marutu can be translated as meaning of the Western Sea or Sea of the Setting Sun. OK, and then remember those vowels, many ways are interchangeable. So the Phoenician titles, Muru, Mer, Marutu mean of the Western Sea referring to the Westerners, right? Akkadian, Amuru, occur as geological terms, meaning, literally meaning the West. <laughs> In Sumeria, the Amorites were referred to as the Martu, or the Tidnum. In Akkadian, by the name of Amuru, and in Egypt as Amar. And all of those terms mean Westerners, or those of the West. Then in Hebrew, the terms Marab, Mareb, Maraba, and Marab also mean West. Also, the Hebrew Mahur means Westerner. Okay? So keep this in mind, right? This means Westerner. Going back to Quetzalcoatl, right? Because, um, well, this is the most, I guess you could say the most um, famously known um, term for this feathered serpent god this deity <laughs> figure um, who had many names here in the Americas. Now, remember, the Inca 
called this same figurehead Amuru. <clears throat> okay, so the native, um, the indigenous people, I guess you could say the, the Aztecs, and the Aztecs <coughs> were a fairly recent culture. They called them Quetzalcoatl. The Mayans called them Kukukan. The Mayans were about a thousand years before the Aztecs. <coughs> and then about 1,500 years before the Mayans, maybe even 2,000 years before the Mayans, you had the Olmec culture. I'm not sure what name, what terminology they had for this figure, right? But you had this, this same figure throughout early American culture, right? And the uh, most common name we would know would be Quetzalcoatl. <clears throat> but within this um, figure, right, the same um, plumed serpent figure that he was attributed to, this same figure was found all over the world, right? You find this same um, type of figure in India, Chaldea, right, all over the world, um, having so many similarities that it's not an accident, right? Like something is going on here because this figure, as we spoke about earlier with the Inca, <laughs> this was a figure that brought culture, brought civilization, brought agriculture. Right, right. Brought the um, knowledge of masonry, how to build, how to build, you know, um, make buildings, plumbing, all types of things. Right, things that you didn't even think the ancient cultures had. These were actually brought to them by people, even to the point where some of the indigenous people describe these early godlike figures that were human, as far as like we could describe, were actually telling them where to settle. Like, where's the best place to live? Oh, this is where you should live. Okay, you plant this. This is how we grow this. this is, you know, they were even teaching them agriculture and everything, right? <clears throat> um, But I'm just going back to this because we're connecting this to the actual name for America, where the name <coughs> actually came from, okay? So um, going back into here, talking about Quetzalcoatl, just one thing um, with the serpent, right? Because you're going to hear a little bit more about the serpent. You'll see that same serpent symbolism all over the world. We see the catechus from um, modern medicine. That's actually from ancient Egypt. So you see that plumed serpent. It went by the name Nine Wind because there was nine such sine waves creating spiritual winds that correspond to the nine levels of creation, right? And this was symbolized in Mesoamerica, in their pyramids. They actually, this is why you had that whole feathered serpent figure, right? And this is found all over the world. So this is something, this is something that people aren't realizing what's really going on with the Quetzalcoatl. Like when you go to Teotihuacan and you see the pyramid uh, for Quetzalcoatl, uh, when you go there, when the solstice occurs or the equinox, it looks like he's either rising up to the sun or going into the land, right? But this is done, you know, in divine science. <coughs> um, it's funny, this image that's up here, that's down here in the right-hand corner, you see a figure that looks like he's sitting down, he's holding a bag. We're going to talk more about that bag because this bag that he's holding in here, you'll see this found all over the world. And then he's got this Quetzalcoatl figure this feathered serpent over there with them, right? We're going to talk more about this because this this stuff is crazy and it's it's being hidden. 
for a reason, right? But Quetzalcoatl was the god of life, light, and wisdom, lord of the day and the winds, ruler of the west, okay? And the ancients here in the Americas have this understanding that, hey, he came, he, came, he brought this to us, right? He actually taught them civilization, okay? <clears throat> um, reading a little bit more from here at the time of the Spanish conquest, Quetzalcoatl was known as the plumed serpent god who came from a long tradition of similar representations. The earliest reference to the feathered serpent deity in ancient Mexico appeared in the Olmec times around the city of La Venta in the modern-day Mexican state of Tabasco. Okay? So, um, <coughs> um, he you know, he'll be associated with the Aztecs or the Mayans, but he's actually coming from an older civilization. The Olmecs going back like 3,000, 3,500 years. And then um, <coughs> this is why you also had that same figure called Amaru in Peru. And it's the <coughs> same Quetzalcoatl figure, right? So he's in several places here in the Americas. <coughs> and then also has several names several names right but um just going back to this um the first major civilization in ancient mexico to adopt on a widespread basis what has been commonly recognized as quetzalcoatl was teowakan the massive ancient city with its avenue of the dead had the pyramids of the sun and the moon and the temple dedicated to the feathered serpent god right so they have all these different stories of Quetzalcoatl and how Quetzalcoatl came to be. They had a virgin story, right? They actually have several virgin stories. One story, his mother, Chimo Mom, was a virgin who was impregnated by the god Antioi while she was dreaming, right? So he's also been associated with the crisis. You have this virgin story. There's actually also another story where his mom <clears throat> has the same... Um, has the same characteristics as Poseidon's wife, right? But we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. <clears throat> but um, Quetzalcoatl was also one of the lords of the cardinal directions and was assigned to the West. What did we say about the term um, Amaru means Westerner and more actually means Westerner, right? So he was assigned to the West. Throughout most of Mesoamerica, he's seen as the bringer of light, justice, learning, and creativity. He gave the people writing and the calendar, right? So you've heard probably about the Aztec calendar or the Mayan calendar, right? But this is something that was given to them. As I just got, he was opposed, opposed to human sacrifice. But some accounts uh, contradict that. But for the most part, he's coming. He's standing on these divine principles. He was the bringer of light, justice, learning, and creativity. <laughs> that should sound familiar to you Moors, especially if you're in the temple, right? So they have these aspects of Quetzalcoatl, all of these different um, aspects of them. But for the most part, it's understood. He was the bringer of civilization, the bringer of light, right? In the many Mesoamerican accounts, he is responsible for creating many of the living things we see in our current world, which they call the fifth world. Okay, he created corn, the staple crop of all ancient Mexican civilizations. High priests in the Aztec world were even given that honorific title of Quetzalcoatl. 
right? So this is why you'll have rulers and priests. Remember the kings, their, their kings were priest kings. <coughs> so that's why they'll have that title. Quetzi Quoto is the honor. Um, it's also something that the uh, Spanish used against them later on to, to conquer them. But um, just going back to this uh, Quetzi Quoto, right? The, uh, he was seen as the wisest of men. That was also another understanding of the name Quetzalcoatl, because that was also a name that was given to um, Quetzal was given to these birds that they had that had. I don't even know if they still exist, if they're extinct. But um, <laughs> anyway, he was a bringer of civilization. Um, he was related to the gods of wind. The planet Venus is what he's like connected to. Venus of the dawn of merchants, of arts, of craft and knowledge. He was also the patron god of the Aztec priesthood, of learning, and of knowledge. Um, <clears throat> he had, a, he had a, a twin, right? Check this out. His twin, Soto, Sholoto, right? So his twin is Sholoto, the god-headed soul guide for the dead. That should sound familiar to a lot of people because that god, that dog-headed god that, um, guides people to the underworld, right? That's um, Anubis. And if you look at the Sholo dogs in Mexico, the Mexican um, dogs that are called Sholo dogs, they look like Anubis. <laughs> Literally, right? Um, and it's so obvious, like the Mormon church president, John Taylor, wrote about the link between Jesus and Quetzalcoatl. You can read more about this if you want. That's in One World, America, Tartarians, and the Moors. Uh, a lot of interesting knowledge in there. But I'm really just sharing this to get back into an understanding of <coughs> where these names, where all of this stuff really came from, right? Um, so we're going to go in a little bit deeper in this. Um, hang on a second, Morris. <coughs> Okay, so I do want to share another, a couple other conversations with you just about the um, naming of America. <coughs> this one in particular, I got this from, from uh, <coughs> okay, uh, uhmc.sunysb.edu <clears throat> and this is speaking about the naming of America fragments we've shorted short against ourselves right so um <clears throat> of course it speaks about the Marigold Vespucci angle right and how that's been universally accepted <clears throat> um it was so much so that one of the descendants of America Vespucci came to New Orleans in 1839 and asked for a land grant in recognition of her name and parentage. Of course, she didn't get it. But it's just saying, like, yo, this is what they got everyone to accept, or for most people to accept. But it really makes no sense because neither Vespucci nor Columbus discovered America. Right, we had the prehistory here. 
right? You had the people who maybe crossed the land bridge, right? The so-called Asian stock, Mongolian stock that crossed over the land bridge. Excuse me, came through the Bering Strait. It says here, Black African discovery of America took place 3,000 years ago. Influenced the development of the Mayan, Aztec, and Inca civilizations. <clears throat> you have Scandinavian expeditions to the Americas. The Icelandic saga of Eric the Red, the set settler of Greenland, <coughs> tells how Eric's son Leif came to Vinland, was written down in the second half of the 13th century, right? So you have all these different people that came over here. Right, so why the hell would they name it after Amerigo Vespucci? It just makes no sense, okay? um, Some more books for you to check out. The Conquest of America, <coughs> put out in 1984 by Richard Howard. The Conquest of America heralds and establishes our present identity, even if every date that permits us to separate any two periods is arbitrary. None is more suitable in order to mark the beginning of the modern era than the year 1492. The year Columbus crosses the Atlantic. Okay, so he showed how, I guess you could say, uh, more modern Europeans sailed across the Atlantic. Vespucci's great contribution was to tell Europe that the land Columbus had found was not Asia, but a new world. <clears throat> and so this is how they tribute the whole name of the entire land to Amerigo Vespucci. <clears throat> does it really make sense? Especially in light of the fact that you had the people over here using that term and even using it to apply to the whole land, adding the ka to Amaru to mean the land, or pana, America pana, to mean to insinuate the whole land, right? <clears throat> and there's also an understanding that Vespucci's actual name was Alberigo Vespucci, right? That was his authentic Christian name, a Florentine Delante and Rascal corrected Columbus's error, thinking he had found the Orient. Vespucci, having sailed to the American mainland, declared that what Columbus indeed stumbled upon was a new world, right? Then they have Vespucci's famous letters about his voyages. <laughs> they caused great stir. <clears throat> throughout Europe when they were published in the early 1500s. So, his name actually was Alberigo, and they're saying that later on, he took on that name after learning of the names that the, the indigenous people were using to refer to the land. <clears throat> it's also speaking about Jules Marco, a prominent French geologist who, while studying North America, argued, as did other 19th century writers, that the name America was brought back to Europe from the New World and that Vespucci had changed his name to reflect the name of his discovery. Specifically, Marco introduced the name of an Indian tribe in a district in Nicaragua called Amerique and asserted that this district, rich in gold, had been visited by both Columbus and Vespucci who then made this name known in Europe. <laughs> and then they have a picture of Marco's map. 
you're showing here. You see map of Nicaragua, there's Honduras. You got uh Nicaragua, and then this whole area called Amarique. <coughs> it says down here Amarique Range. Right? So this was the name for this whole area. <coughs> it's saying they took that back with them. And he named himself after that. Just in case you know, said didn't know. It says Vespucci changed his Christian name from Alberigo to Amerigo, right? So the dude actually changed his name afterwards. All right. Um, and then this was put in the archives of Toledo. A letter from Vespucci to the Cardinal dated December 9th, 1508. And it signed Amerigo with the double R as in the Indian Amerique. And then between 1508 and 1512, the year in which Vespucci died, at least two other signatures with the Christian name Almerigo with the two R's were recorded. <clears throat> so this is actually quietly already understood. I'm not going to read this whole article, but just so you know, you can go back if you're interested and go into the um, <clears throat> the actual um, video description and you can um, get the link to this ar article. Okay. But just saying once again, <clears throat> um, the name America or Amarique in the Mayan language means a country of perpetual strong wind. Or the land of the wind. And then sometimes the suffix eek and eka can mean not only the wind or air, but also a spirit that breathes life itself. <clears throat> that was um written by Augustus Leplongeon on that topic. Okay. So um enough about Almerigo or Alberigo Vespucci. Just wanted to share that this name. It actually came from the indigenous people. And this is actually known, even though it's covered up, right? So, um, <clears throat> even going into the Caribbean, right? Um, the coast at the foot of the Amarique Mountains that faces the Caribbean Sea is called the Mosquito Coast, named for the Mosquito Indians who still live there. The mosquitoes are Caribs. It is almost certain that Columbus first heard the name of the mountains pronounced by a Carib. Amerique. <laughs> so it's a Carib word. So not even just in the Mayan language, right? This was even spoken by the Caribs. Um, this is spoken by several people. So you have the Inca using that word. You even have the Caribs using that word, right? Just wanted to show that too. So various peoples throughout the Americas were using this term. All right. Almerigo Vespucci's Christian name was Alberigo. He changed it after the voyages and he was spelling it with a double R because that's how they pronounced it or that's how it was spelled by the people in Nicaragua, by the Carib Indians, right? So when they were trying to <coughs> understand their language, they were recording it A M E R R I um, <coughs> I K or Q U E. Amerique. Okay. So just sharing that because this isn't commonly known, but this is out there, right? <laughs> also, um, going back to the feathered serpents, right? 
Um, so you had this Amaru figure in Peru in in um in uh by the Incas, right? And this is the same <coughs> figure as Quetzalcoatl, but this is a feathered serpent. So you actually have this same feathered serpent um figure, this godlike figure who's bringing civilization, bringing science, bringing religion, bringing um higher understanding to people, agriculture, right? And so you'll see the the um Egyptian uh winged sun right here with the serpents, right? Um curled around the sun with the wings coming out, right? You see also here the Sumerian depictions where you know in ancient Mesopotamia, Sumerians <coughs> they also have this serpent, winged serpent. They had that same figure, right? And also, those figures were the ones that were bringing the science and the understanding to the people. So this is how it went all over the world, right? You had Amaru in the, um, with the Inca, and then this is the same guy that would have been Quetzalcoatl in, um, in Central America. And you had the same type of, or these figures you know, all over the world. And once again, they're always bringing the science. They're always bringing the understanding. They're always bringing like a greater <coughs> way of, you know, living and um, bringing civilization. Just flat out bringing civilization to the people. Okay? This is just how it went all over the world. So um, going back to this, uh, let, me, let me bring this up on the screen for you. <coughs> Now hold on to that thought, right? With this, this, um, this same figure being a light bringer, right, all over the world for ancient for ancient civilizations, <laughs> actually keeping civilization going, right, for the entire globe. Okay, we're, we're gonna come back to that because that's not something to to gloss over, right? So, um, <clears throat> let's go back to Central America, okay. I want to talk about um, this Quetzalcoatl figure for a second, just to give you an understanding, right, of um, <clears throat> what this was, how it applies to us, right? So I was speaking about Quetzalcoatl being like an Aztec figure. The Aztecs weren't actually the ones that created that culture. They inherited it from the Maya, and the Maya inherited it from an older civilization, which they nowadays call the Olmec. Okay, um, <clears throat> excuse me, this book is on the screen. This is written by Peter Tompkins, and this is called The uh, Mysteries of the Mexican Pyramids. Okay, so, um, <clears throat> man, <clears throat> dry over here. Yeah. So uh, here we go. Okay, so um, <clears throat> let's look over here on the right. Uh, let me see. Uh, okay, so um, <clears throat> speaking about that civilization in Mexico, um, just want to read on this a little bit from such sources, including three surviving Mexican nobles, the princes. I'm not even going to try to pronounce their names. Um, there's three princes 
the fires learned that the Mexica or Mexica were members of an Aztec tribe, tribe which had only recently entered the Valley of Mexico in the middle of the 13th century. That's in the 1200s and had established themselves on an island in the great Texcoco Lake in the middle of the 14th century. The Mexica said that around the lake, they had found remnants of a high degree of civilization. Like they, this is the Aztecs. They ain't even created. They found it. Remnants, which they believed had existed in the area for more than a thousand years and to which they gave the name of Toltec, meaning artist or builder in Aztec. <clears throat> According to the Aztecs, the Toltecs had created a great capital city at Tolan, where under the aegis of a divinely inspired leader, Quetzalcoatl, they had developed superb, superb artisans, artisans, devout worshippers, skilled tradesmen, stonemasons, carpenters, bricklayers, workers in feathers and ceramics, spinners and weavers, tall, virtuous men who sang and danced and had priests skilled in astronomy who kept an accurate count of days, years, and the movements of the stars and planets. This all came from this divinely inspired leader. According to the Aztec tradition, the Toltec leader, Quetzalcoatl, had fallen on evil days and been obliged to depart eastward about A.D. 950 of our era. Thereafter, the Valley of Mexico was invaded by less civilized Indians from the north. This is the invaders from the north making their way down and once it came through the Bering Strait. <clears throat> Among the last of which were the Aztecs who burned their own records and rewrote their history to bury their, um, their obscure origin, right? And passed themselves off as true descendants of the indigenous noble Toltecs. I just wanted to share that with you, right? So. Even by their own account, they weren't the creators of this ancient civilization. They found remnants of it and they tried to mimic it <laughs> and to take what they could and apply it to themselves, right? It's saying here, too, by 1519, when the Spaniards arrived in Highland, Mexico, Montezuma's Aztecs ruled a polyglot <laughs> colonial empire of several million people stretching from the Pacific to the Gulf from central Mexico to what is now Guatemala, right? Several million people. Okay. And then, so whatever name they applied to the land, that's what it was. <coughs> and it was the same in Peru. If they're calling America Pana, that's what it was. Um, just sharing some more on this. Um, Humboldt was amazed that whoever built these pyramid structures should have done so in a manner so similar to the ziggurat of Belus in Babylon, the remains of which he had observed, and <laughs> led him to wonder whether the constructors, the people who built these pyramids, had been allied to a Mongolian race from the east, or whether they were somehow linked to the Middle East as indicated by the botanical and geological data. Saying, also, Humboldt was apparently unaware of the ziggurats of Mesopotamia, right? 
They were constructed as geodetic scale models of the Northern Hemisphere. All right. Humboldt disputed the attribution of construction of the pyramids to the Toltecs, which would have placed them in the 8th or 9th century AD, and was inclined to favor Sikinza, some of whose manuscripts he had read, who attributed the pyramids to the Olmecs, the first people mentioned in the Indian chronology of New Spain, who were supposed to have come from the East. Olmecs, what did we say about that? Or even from Europe. They got to put that Europe in there. <clears throat> Humboldt referred to the Toltec leader Quetzalcoatl as a Mexican Buddha. Okay. Um, and it's saying that this uh, he was described as uh, white bearded and accompanied by strangers wearing black sultanes, saying they believed him to be either a Carthaginian or an Irishman. Either possibility, uh, either possibility of which Combo was not ready to envisage. So, just wanted to share that. Um, also, when I was speaking earlier about Quetzalcoatl's mother, right? This, what you see over here on the screen, this is a massive statue. Okay, um, as the description says over here, massive basalt statue embodying pyramidal cruciform and human forms <clears throat> this was dug up and then the priesthood was so outraged they they uh ordered it to be reburied right but um anyway it was recorded and um <clears throat> i'm not i'm not gonna read this whole thing but um the description of this is saying kotal q emerges as the concrete embodiment in stone of the ideas of a cosmic being who generates and sustains the universe. It underbrates the cruciform orientation of the quadrants of the universe, as well as the dynamic quality of time, which creates and destroys through struggle. Author Lewis Pitts points to the strong similarities between Kotal Q of Mexico and the goddess Clato, wife of Poseidon. So Koto Q was um, <clears throat> Quetzalcoatl's mother. And he's pointing out similarities between Quetzalcoatl's mother and the goddess Clato, who was the wife of Poseidon, the founder of Atlantis. <clears throat> Both of them, says Spence, presided over a sacred hill and each bore seven sets of twins, two of whom, Atlas and Quetzalcoatl, were mountain-born supporters of the world. So remember, uh, they, they had seven sets of twins. Remember I said Quetzalcoatl's twin was Sholoto, who was basically Anubis, right? He's the god that leads the dead to the underworld, the dog-headed god, <coughs> okay? And so this is, this is like, this is something that you see worldwide. So he's saying he's had this basically a, a parallel with the story story of atlas <laughs> atlas was also a twin born of seven sets of twins right his father poseidon the king of atlantis atlas and quetzalcoatl were mountain-born supporters of the world and so he's bringing this high wisdom and knowledge understanding um practical understanding of agriculture things like that but also understanding of the stars the planets um spiritual understanding bring this to the people, right, to civilize them. 
and that's why you'll see something like this, like this sculpture, or like the Mayan pyramid. I'm not Mayan pyramid. Well, yeah, the pyramid too, but also the Mayan calendar. And it looks so strange. It looks so alien to us, right? Because this is what's being brought. And this knowledge and understanding is coming from a more ancient culture, right? It's coming from, like it says here, Atlantis. They're pointing out the similarities between Quetzalcoatl and Atlas, who is one of the princes or one of the sons of Atlantis. Okay. Um, more on that though. Um, <laughs> let's go over here to the right. Hang on, about to read this. Okay, so looking over here on the right, right? Um, let me zoom in one more time. Okay. So um, it's speaking about <clears throat> some ruins that were named the Great City of Serpents. Must have been built in remote antiquity by a people who had appeared from the Atlantic guided by a leader called Voltan, whose basic symbol was a serpent. Ordonez claimed to have gotten the material for his story from a book written by Voltan himself in the Quiche language, asserting that the original book had been burned by Nunez de la Vega, Bishop of Chiapas, in 1691, who before destroying it had copied parts of it, which he showed to Ordonez. Voltan was said to have set out from the land of Chivim, right, which wasn't really identified, but they believe it's transatlantic, meaning it was from the, you know, other side of the Atlantic. Voltan is described as having arrived with a retinue dressed in long robes of having exchanged ideas and customs with the natives who submitted to his rule and who gave to the strangers their daughters in marriage, right? <laughs> so it's saying, Voltan himself wrote this book in the Quiche language, in the indigenous language, and that the book was burned by Nunez de la Vega, who's a bishop, the bishop of Chiapas. <coughs> he burned it, which is what they did. They either burned it or they put the books in the, uh, they sent them to the Vatican to get put in the, um, in the vaults underground, locked away. Bishop Nunez de la Vega also quoted Voltan's book in a publication, a publication of his own entitled Constitutiones de Oceanos de Chiapas. According to Nunez uh, de la Vega, when Voltan came to America, he listed the names of all the provinces and cities in the area in which he tarried. One was known as Hueta, where Voltan is claimed to have placed a treasure in a damp, dark, subterranean house, saying appointing a woman as that's all they wanted to do is find out where the treasure was, right? That's what they're notorious for. But they burned all the books, right? Um, <clears throat> just a little bit more about this, if this is interesting to you. Uh, remember, this is a book by Peter Tompkins, Mexican uh, Mysteries of the Mexican Pyramids. But um, <clears throat> just going in here, it says, Four times, Voltan is said to have turned to his former home across the Atlantic, known as Valum. Chivum, which Ordonez eventually identified as the city 
of Tripoli in Phoenicia. Okay. Ah, oh, man. <clears throat> Excuse me. Right. His origin, Balamchium, is identified as Tripoli in Phoenicia. That means he was Moorish. Right. All right. And so then it's saying, um, <clears throat> after one of these return voyages, Voltan is described as having to come to a great city where a magnificent temple was under construction, which was intended to reach to heaven, but was doomed by a confusion of the language, the languages, right? And it should sound familiar. Okay. So, well, oh, hold up. Um, <clears throat> sorry. In his Constitutiones, Nunez de la Vega was even more specific, saying that what Voltan saw was the Great Wall, the Tower of Babel. Okay. Um, in the manuscript written in Quiche in 1554 by several Mayan Indians, its Spanish translator, Padre Dionisio Jose Chone, had to say this to say, it is supposed in the manuscript that the three great Quiche nations <coughs> mentioned in particular are the descendants of the 10 tribes of the kingdom of Israel, right? So just speaking on this, um, it's, it's talking about this Voltan figure who brought all of this wisdom and understanding from the other side of the Atlantic, right? His arrival is dated at 1000 BC, which led modern scholars to suggest that Voltan and his men in petticoats could have been Phoenicians. Constance Irwin in her book, Fair Gods and the Stone Faces, agrees that Voltan and his followers could very well be Phoenicians, <clears throat> but places the date somewhat later. She says the great city which Voltan could have visited for trade might have been Babylon, the greatest city in the Middle East. We'll show why, why this makes sense, though. Right. Favorite market for Phoenician merchants, where stood the Tower of Babel. Okay. Um, <laughs> after his death, Voltan was associated with jade and snakes. Okay. Um, once again, you have that serpent, right? Serpent was the emblem of healing, wisdom, and fertility in Babylon. Whence it spread east and west, the catechus becoming a common object on Phoenician and Carthaginian stella. We see that throughout Egypt, right? And nowadays, it's associated with what? Medicine. School. I mean, not school, but medicine. Um, health, right? So, um, just wanted to show that again, right? Uh, Cabrera says one of Castaneda's drawings represent Voltan or a Hevite from Tripoli or Phoenicia. Voltan was called a snake and was later placed among the gods. <coughs> all right, so we have these figures throughout this history, Mesoamerica, all throughout the Americas, actually. All right, well, it looks like they're wearing fezzes over here. But um, all throughout American history, you find this. So these people who brought this knowledge and understanding, though, um, they all had these same characteristics, right? And then all coming from the same place, 
Um, now, um, briefly, though, I want to speak about the Troano Codex. Why? Um, the Troano Manuscript is one of the oldest um, surviving writing forms of um, writing or scrolls or books from Mesoamerica that survived. A lot of these things were burned up, hidden. <coughs> the Toronto Codex, I don't know if it got smuggled out the country or what, but they kept it. So um, just reading a little bit of this. In Madrid, Brasur became acquainted with Jean de Tro Otlano, a descendant of Hernan Cortez, professor of paleography, paleography at the university showed him a document which had been in the family for centuries, the Mayan book of divination, first known as the Troano Codex. <clears throat> now, in the Troano Codex, right, it has the story from the natives of Mesoamerica that a great terrestrial convulsion has sunk an island in the Atlantic, extending eastward in a crescent as far as the Canary Islands. This is what they have record of. <clears throat> the Troa uh, co Codex is made up of two separate parts. The Troano, right, has 35 leaves or 70 pages. And then you have a separate codex. The Troano Codex displaced place the disappearance of the Atlantic continent in the year 9937 BC. <clears throat> From this codex and from a Nahuatl manuscript purporting to be the history of the kingdom of Calcon, Calhacan in Mexico, which they um, they labeled that the codex Chimalpoca, right? They have the understanding now that <laughs> civilization didn't originate in the Middle East, which is what they tell us, right, in the Fertile Crescent. This is what the European historians still say. But they're saying that actually civilization started in the West, a large continent that stretched from America across the Atlantic, which civilization had spread to Egypt and Europe. Right? So in the Maya and Quiche languages, right, um, they have these, <clears throat> these old records, and it's telling the story of the cataclysm submerged the cradle of civilization right and this happened thousands of years before um anything else civilization wise that that mainstream science would recognize right this even happened um thousands of years before the bible story of the garden of eden which would only go back to 4000 bc <clears throat> okay and so it's saying the American continent originally occupied the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean Sea, extending across the Atlantic as far as the Canaries. But in some remote period, it had been engulfed by a tremendous convulsion of nature. Subsequent upheavals, he believed, restored parts of Yucatan, Honduras, and Guatemala to the surface. Right? And this is what they're linking to the, the story uh, of Plato's Atlantis, right? The myth of Quetzalcoatl. <laughs> goes back to Plato's Atlantis and concluded that the Toltecs could have been descendants of survivors of that catastrophe. Okay? And so this is why everything about America is being hidden. They don't even want us to know the history of the name of America. 
It's the new world. It's all new. Everything about it's brand new. It was named after a European named uh, Americo. Americo Vespucci, right? So they give us all this mess to throw us off, to keep you looking over there, right? When in actuality, <laughs> it's all coming from right here. It's the other way around. So, um, and of course, this is outside of the mainstream. Even just to bring this up, right, this would get you shunned. <laughs> People will be, you know, looking at you like you're crazy. Like, you, you can't even talk about stuff like this. But I just wanted to speak about that just to share um, just some understanding on where that name really came from. You had that Amaru name, which was not just in, um, not just in uh, Peru, but that was also used by the Caribs. Right, that was used in Central America, in Nicaragua, and it was referring to a land or a nation. So this is like this is a big deal because this was being done way before the Europeans even knew that this place existed, right? And then that Amaru, that's the same figure as this Quetzalcoatl, that's this feathered serpent figurehead, but once again, um, from a practical purpose, also depicted as a man that brought civilization, <clears throat> actually, <clears throat> excuse me, brought civilization to the people, okay? And that um, one of the things that's attributed to it is Amaru, and Amaru or um, Amaru, that's where you get the, the name um, Amaru Tupac, Tupac Amaru Shakur. <laughs> Tupac Amaru was a leader, an Inca leader, who actually took that name on. Um, that's where, like, Tupac's mom was inspired by that. That's where his naming came from. But um, <laughs> this is an actual figurehead. And once again, this is actually tied to the land. So the name wasn't just something referring to, the, to a person or a mythological figure. This was something that was actually used to apply to actual um, the land. Right, because Amaru, when referring to the land, became Amaru Ka or Amaru Ka Pana or Amarik. <laughs> and it's actually referring to the landmass, right? They had several cities that all had that Amaru Ka after the name of the city. Why? Because it's a city in this province, it's a city in XYZ land. Okay, I want to get into something else here too. So remember when we were reading about Quetzalcoatl and it's saying how this um, this Quetzalcoatl figure would, when he came to the people, he came bearing gifts. He came with the, um, you know, with the agriculture. He came with science. He was teaching the people, giving, bringing the understanding. <clears throat> this is a picture actually depicting this. So this is actually a statue. Um, this is called Olmec Monument 19 at, and it's found at La Venta. Okay. And in this statue, you have this statue carved out of stone. There's a person. He's got some kind of headdress on, right? Something on his head. And he's um, holding something, right? So the bag that he's holding, you see the circle around it. You see it's highlighted, right? So he's holding his bag. That feather, this, this serpent, creature that's around him this is 
representing Quesi Quoto, right? So this guy, he's holding this bag. Just remember that, right? He's holding the bag. Everybody always talking about getting the bag, get the bag, right? So he's, remember, Quesi Quoto brought the science, the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding. So <laughs> what happens then when we go to Mesopotamia, Sumeria? Okay, let's zoom in on this. So you have these people, these godlike figures. <clears throat> and they're wearing turbans and fezes. Okay. And what's that in his hand? He's got a bag. He's got the bag. Everybody's trying to get that bag, right? You got you got the same thing going on over here. You got the guy with the fez on. <clears throat> Somebody else wearing maybe a turban. And they're holding that bag. Okay. That's ancient Samaria. Okay, hang on. See that again, right? Ancient Samaria, Mesopotamia. Yeah, the same big way. He's okay, winged figure. Okay, could mean he had, you know, uh, <coughs> higher understanding. Could have been symbolic, meaning maybe that they had vehicles or something they could fly. Could have just meant spiritual understanding. But we see that bag. Now you see the fingers actually wrapped around this handle. They they all have the bag. Okay? And it's carved into stone. When you carve something into stone, it's not an accident. It's so important that you have to put it in there, even if you got to carve it into stone. So there's another depiction, um, hawk headed uh wing. Figure and once again, these are the godlike figures that are bringing this understanding. Looks like he's wearing a robe, <clears throat> and he's got the bag. He's got he's holding the bag, and this thing's found all over the world, right? So these depictions are all in the same area. They're in different areas, but carved in the stone. When you see them carrying that bag, that lets you know these are bringers of high civilization. Okay, this one he's got the waves. Carved out of stone. I don't know if that's Mesopotamia. Maybe he looks like he's wearing a robe. Okay. <clears throat> Everybody's got the bag. Um, this is in India. This is Shiva right here. Shiva's sitting there. And there's that bag. It's right there. Okay. Anytime. High civilization being brought to the people. The bringers have the bag. Okay? <laughs> Once again, they got that bag. Always. Um, Going over here, this one on the left, this is actually the temple of um, the temple of Quetzalcoatl. And it has these huge Massive statues that are like, like the only way to describe it, they're like Atlantean guards or soldiers or something. They used to hold up some ceiling and they're huge. Okay. But guess what? They also got the bag. It's carved into stone. All right. <clears throat> you see that all over the world. This is another example of them too. This is uh, from that same, um, the temple of Quetzalcoatl, and once again, he's holding the bag. Man, this highlight kind of messes it up, makes it worse, but he's holding the bag, carved in the stone. 
Okay. Um, ancient Samaria. And another depiction right here. Okay, so they're always holding that bag. Um, this is the same Olmec statue. <laughs> Once again, Olmec depiction of Quetzalcoatl, and they got the bag. So these are the people <coughs> who bring civilization. This also, this um, this is Pillar 43 at the Gobi Kekli Tepe, um, I guess you could say monument. They say this is 12,000 years old, and it's in Turkey. And it's carved out of stone. You have this vulture figure who's got his wing out with a like a disc on it. And they got the bag up there carved in stone. There's three of them, the bags with the handles. <coughs> so once again, just sharing this because, yeah, there's Shiva again. This stuff is all over the world. And these were all these um, figures that... Um, Modern mainstream society would say, oh, those were just mythological figures, right? They're just mythological figures. Islam, brother, uh, Dr. Brooks III said that's medicine in the bag. I mean, it makes sense, right? Because they're, they're bringing high civilization. They're bringing agriculture. They're bringing all of this high wisdom and understanding, even spirituality to the people. And they made sure that when these things, when these statues, when these <coughs> paintings were done, that they were depicted holding the bag. Okay. And so I was just showing that so that you can understand and see that this was done all over the world. And that the people at the time, if you didn't see the whole video, go back and rewind it because the people had their stories of coming from an ancient land and their leaders bringing this knowledge and wisdom to them, right? And in some cases, maybe the people that were already living there, these godlike figures bringing this knowledge and understanding to them, you know, them giving them their daughters to marry, right? So they're influxing them with their <coughs> bloodline and then they're building high civilization, okay? And so I uh, wanted to share that because, you know, just <laughs> in a nutshell, that's really why America, the name, was not created by the Europeans. It was already America when they arrived here. And um, that's why it's truly great what Prophet Noble Drew Ali did for us, what he tied us back into. And why it's absolute foolishness to try to <clears throat> get around the prophet, to try to leave the prophet out of what you're doing. If you're Moorish American, that's just insane. He tied us back into these bringers of civilization. For those of us who know, who understand, who know who we are, we know that the Moors are the creators, the founders of civilization. Right. The Moors, the Westerners, <clears throat> the founders of civilization. And that we are descended from these people that they depicted in stone. Holding the bag. This place is already called America. 
and just recognizing honor that ties us back into who we truly are. We don't need anyone else to co-sign on this. We know who we are. <laughs> We're back. We're awake. Everybody that's watching this, please hit that like and share button. Hopefully this makes sense. And um, maybe even if you share this with people, you can help to raise awareness, right? If you are interested in anything that you saw here, you can go back, watch this again. You could also go in the video description, the links, um, the names of some of these documents and stuff be read will be in there. If it's not in there right now, just come back tomorrow and check it out. On that note, though, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. Everybody hit that like and share button. And um, I appreciate you all. And on that note, let's go ahead and go. Hit like and share and check out these words from our sponsors. Peace and love, everyone. <clears throat> Don't let your history start at slavery. Join with Moorish Science Temple, a lawfully charted Islamic organization and proclaim your nationality while helping us uplift fallen humanity. Founded by American prophet Noble Drew Ali and consistently promoted plans for the betterment of humankind. We are located in Columbus, Ohio. Visit our website www.moorishamericans.com and follow us on social media. We hold live meetings on Zoom every Friday and Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Give us a call at 614-407-4394 if you would like to join or send donations to help us uplift fallen humanity. Every day, billions of searches are conducted online, therefore it is critical that your company stands out to the small percentage of clients who are essential to your business. Our team of local digital marketing consultants and SEO experts is eager to help your company achieve its goals through a consultative approach, top Google rankings, and collaboration with industry experts. Here at Adept Marketing Solutions, we stand for integrity, dedication, ingenuity, and results. We know how to navigate the ever-changing digital landscape and what brands must do to succeed. Visit our website to see what we can do to help you reach your goals.